0: Hey, it's Julie Pilot from the Idea Fountain. Today, when we tape this, it's Inauguration Day. It's a new day, a new era filled with new opportunities for us to help each other and do what we can to make the world a better place. I decided to tap in and talk to one of the wisest people I know, Gall, Ever since I first moved to L.A. in the early 2000s, I've thought of him as a spiritual mentor. You can follow him on Instagram at Cosmic Navigator. Today, we're going to talk about his new book, The Astrology of 2021, and everything happening in the world. I hope that you're having a happy new year so far. Uh, I really appreciate you bringing me and the Idea Fountain into your life. And I really appreciate you being a part of mine. All the episodes are available on JuliePilot.co, J-U-L-I-E-P-I-L-A-T.co, and uh, thanks so much for listening, sharing them with friends, writing reviews. It all matters so much. With that, let's kick into season four, episode two of the Idea Family.
1: This is The Idea Fountain, life-changing conversations.
0: Thanks for coming on The Idea Fountain, Gall. We're going to talk today about your new book, The Astrology of 2021, uh, Out of Darkness, Light. But I'm more than anything, I'm so excited to reconnect with you and just really introduce you to people for everything you are. Uh, I, I really look at you as a healer and a guide and a mentor. And even though I find the astrology part fascinating, I love that your Twitter bio says thinker and storyteller and um uh surfer of synchronicities which is one of my favorite things so i really am excited to bring all of that um magic into the conversation today and uh we're taping this today on inauguration day i don't know uh you're in palm springs right now right
1: Uh, no la last time i checked
0: (laughs) oh you're in la okay i think uh, I think um, maybe I was seeing in your book that you had written in Palm Springs and I thought you relocated.
1: No, 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 I I go there a lot. There is something really special about uh, Joshua Tree and Palm Springs. For those of you who are not in California, um, I think the land in California is very, very strong. I mean, for somebody who traveled the world and came from Israel, a place where the land is also very strong because it was and still is some kind of a bridge between Africa, Asia, Europe, not only a physical bridge, but also a spiritual bridge, a mental bridge, a storytelling bridge. So for me to come to California mm-hmm. was almost like um, a natural transition because uh, first of all, it's almost the same climate. I was uh, working in a lot, the way I basically supported myself during university when I studied psychology in Israel was um, being a gardener. And then before that in the army, I actually joined a special unit that creates kind of villages. So I was a gardener there as well. So my connection to the tree of life started with real trees. You know, I think that my first lessons about Kabbalah, eh, even about yoga, you know, you have your yoga, you have your tree post in yoga eh, mm-hmm. and tree of life. In Kabbalah, of course, I think I learned a lot about the tree of life from being a gardener and seeing how the trees function with mother nature. So for me to come to California was almost like an extension. It's the same climate, same plants, eh, same mm-hmm. weather. Uh, and there is something about California, and I think that that's why it's called the Golden State—not because gold was here, but again, it's all synchronized. As above, so below; as within, so without. So, uh, of course, it is a land that has some gold to lure people who are very much into exploration and pioneering. So, the spirit of going there, looking for gold, brought you know in uh, brought so many people here. But I think that gold is, at least in astrology, gold has to do with creativity. You know, in alchemy, they tell us that we can transform lead into gold. Not really, but it's symbolically speaking, what talks about uh, the philosopher's stone, for example, in uh, alchemy is imagination. And there is no other place, I think, in the United States that allows people to imagine so much like here. Uh, if it's technology imagination, if it's uh, philosophical or poetic imagination like the Bitnica revolution or the cinema or cultures in general or music. So I think that California is a land of the gold because it relates to that Leo energy because Leo in astrology is associated with gold and Leo is creativity, Leo is entertainment, Leo is performance, Leo is sports, Uh, Leo is being bigger than life. No wonder that California is one of the biggest economies on the planet, not in the United States only. And the whole idea of uh, will, because the key word for Leo is I will. And the place where I find that energy very, very strong is a lot of time in the desert. Overall, you know, Leo is a fire sign, a fixed fire sign. And if you think about where is climate-wise a place where the heat is fixed, you know, don't forget that Leo is about end of July, August. Obviously, it's in the desert, you know. So Uh, Again, I think that there is something really interesting about Palm Spring, the fact that it did have water before. You know, it's not like one of those cities that people decide to build and that's it, that there was water there. And there is something really special about the vegetation, the uh, um, energy, and also in in, uh, Joshua Tree. Joshua Tree is, is a very sacred place for me. I always go there when I need to recharge. So that introduction to the book, I did right there. Oh, my God, that was a long answer. (laughs) <laughs>
0: that, I, I mean, I love it, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about your storytelling and how things are layered upon layer, um, and how things are connected. But I love that you're speaking about how connected we are with the Earth because in Los Angeles this morning on inauguration day, did you feel the earthquake?
1: Yeah, it was there. The Earth was speaking. Okay. Least, uh... it, was,
0: it, was, uh, it was just a tiny little earthquake, but it was funny. You're the first person I thought of, Gal, because um, you had given a warning that these few days, the 18th through the 21st, we're going to be connected to aggression and a different energy. And then when the earth shook, I was like, uh-oh, I thought we were in the clear, but maybe not.
1: No, what's happening specifically now is we have something pretty rare that last time that happened was 42, 1942, 1941, not, not too far from uh, the uh, Pearl Harbor attack, if you remember. Because we have Saturn, uh, sorry, we have Mars, uh, the god of war, on top of Uranus, the god of uh, unpredictable, crazy energy, which is also called an awakening, on top of Black Moon or Lilith, which is associated with seeing the worst in other people and being misunderstood all of them in Taurus and Taurus is mother nature, but Taurus is also values. And that's why we are going through a shakeup of the values. I think that the people that are today going through the most amount of shakeup are the followers of uh, QAnon, which constantly delayed their prophecy of what's gonna happen, the plan, the plan, the plan. And of course, uh, thank God uh, nothing happened for them. So there is a collapse of what is called in psychology, cognitive dissonance. And when I studied psychology in Israel, Uh, We studied quite a lot of cognitive dissonance. It's the idea that people can have two completely contradicting ideas in their brain and not connect them, which is very much against everything I stand for. Like you said yourself, I really like seeing the one in everything. Uh, I think that that's something that anybody who delves in yoga, mysticism, imagination, anything that has to do with healing, you know, in fact, anything you do really well, eventually you get to the point that everything is connected because everything comes from the one, everything um, strives back to the one. If you look at any mystical tradition on the planet, it doesn't matter if it's shamans from Siberia, eh, wise men and women and sages in Native American tradition, Kabbalah, Sufism, it doesn't matter if it's Ifa in Africa or or Aborigines in, in, uh, in Australia, they will all tell you everything comes from the one. And later on, it started breaking into the finite, but the infinite is the origin of the finite. The absolute is the origin of the relative. And so out of the one come the many, many different ways of looking at it. So oneness is the source of everything. So cognitive dissonance is the disease that does not allow us to look at the one because it helps you put two contradicting um, forces and get you stuck in a subconscious duality. And when that breaks, it creates a lot of um, aggression because you feel cheated by who? By yourself, obviously. And that's the worst kind of cheating. So that's, I think what's gonna happen in the next few uh, days, but still until the 21st, tomorrow, we are facing this very difficult aspect, which has been brewing for a month. So it's, we've been talking about it every Sunday for, for a while now. And, and it's being also in the summer, if you remember the time of the uh, explosion in Beirut, It was very, very similar because what's happening, Uranus goes back and forth, back and forth. And now at least it's going forward so we can hope uh, for better times. Uh,
0: Today, I want to talk about what's happening in the world and what's coming for this year. And I also want to leave some time for a few questions. But I want to talk to you about your style, which is fascinating for me, to me, and the encyclopedic knowledge that you had. Uh, It's interesting, you were just talking about everybody being connected and the one. Um, I grew up in Seattle and I don't know if you know this, but there was actually a Native American chief Seattle. And he gave a fantastic speech when the white men were coming in to take the land in the name of the church. He said, you know, we're gonna leave in peace But I think you're gonna find out your God and our God is the same God. (laughs) And uh, that always really stayed with me about the oneness. What I love about the connectivity you bring into your storytelling is it would be easy enough in astrology or numerology to say, oh, 2021, that adds up to a five. And in numerology, that can be war and instability. That would be a good story. But you take it to the next level. And you'll also say, and I hope I get this right. In Arabic, five is hamsa. And a hamsa is the hand with the third eye in it for protection. And also um, the universal sign for danger is stop with the hand up. There's just so many layers. How do you... Do your research do you have a photographic memory you're just taking no. so much all the time
1: No I wish I did if I did it would have been much more simple um, no I think that what happens uh, even when um, even in psychology they did a lot of studies about that uh, that when you ever when you when you study something when you read something when you look at a movie when you learn something or let's say when you get a piece of information, and it has been, and it has an t- attachment to an emotional component, you tend to remember it much more if it's just information. So that's why people make the news very sensational because just reporting is not going to get stuck in your brain. What will is if there is an emotional component, if there is an emotional attachment to the email, it will be sent and will be read. So I think that uh, what happens with me is that whenever I get any kind of piece of information that fits in that oneness that clicks into a connection, it makes me happy. You know, it's almost like uh, when you feel a very beautiful synchronicity of just, you know, walking in, uh, you know, you're walking in Paris when everything's open up and that suddenly you meet uh, your teacher from high school. You know, what are they doing here? Why are we meeting here? That emotional connection of that story of meeting that person will be engraved in your brain for a long time. Also, because it's such a beautiful emotional a connection that you're going to start sharing it with other people. So the two tricks to remember things and to have it in your brain is first of all, to always look for the emotional component of that information. And if there isn't to make one up, you know, to attach it. And the other one is to constantly share that piece of information because even in Kabbalah, for example, every letter in the Hebrew alphabet is associated with the sign and the sign and the letter for Libra, balance is Lamed and Lamed in Hebrew, which is coming from Phoenician, of course, Proto-Senaic alphabet, you know, the first phonetic alphabet we have on the planet. Lamed means to learn and also to teach. And it's interesting because the word Lamed in in the ancient languages meant that thing that you um, uh, use in order to teach an animal, uh, to tame an animal in a sense. So there is something about um, the idea that when you learn something, the only way to really remember it is to teach it. For example, that's why in the university, when you do a master's degree or PhD, they ask you to teach the BA kids or the master's uh, students. Because when you rehearse something that you just learned, you're gonna remember it much more. So teaching and learning is basically the same. So for future um, attempts of studies, if you can attach an emotional component, that's when the worst thing is to study in university, something you don't like. Because it's a waste of time. You're going to forget everything, and to immediately when you learn something interesting to share it. That's what Kabbalah is all about. Kabbalah in Hebrew means to receive and to accept. The only way that the creation can continue working is giving and receiving, giving and receiving.
0: I love this so much. The podcast I do, the Idea Fountain Life changing conversations is all about people that have changed my life by something they said or did or the way they made me think. And even that one little nugget right there that you just gave about when you learn something, the emotional connection and sharing it really helps because um, I'm a big note taker right? And would think I'd need to write down every single word and memorize it. But that emotional connection, that's, that's powerful. I also like, and am fascinated with the notion that you have a psychology background. And I've also heard you say that scientists should be mystics and the best mystics should be scientists. Can you share a little bit of your view of the science and new age connection and why it's important
1: you know i think that um we have to i mean first of all you know people say the father of astronomy is kepler for example john kepler very famous uh, astronomer but he wasn't really an astronomer he was an astrologer and astrology is the one that brought him to um assert all of his you know recognition of how the solar system works so up until 400 years ago, all the astronomers were astrologers. It was part of that uh, same body of language, body of, of wisdom. And if you look at, for example, um, Einstein, he always said that uh, any scientist or any physicist should be interested also in metaphysics, not only in physics. Metaphysics is that which above you know, physics. I think that it's something that was obvious to a lot of people in the past. And that the idea is that, you could combine your left brain, which tends to be more scientific, more logical, with your right brain that tends to look at things from a God-eyes view. And that's why we have that corpus callosum in between, that bridge between the East and the West, the feminine, the masculine, the yin yang, the right hemisphere, the left hemisphere. So our investment should be as much as possible in this part. That's why this is also the crown chakra in Kabbalah, it's called the crown sphere. It's the 1,000-petal lotus that uh, Hindu talks about, and it's the moment of enlightenment when the kundalini rises. So this part here of the brain is the one that connects all aspects. That's why any kind of duality, if you can combine them, then you get back to the one. So a lot of times people separate scientists from mystics, not realizing that they're basically striving to the same thing, to understand oneness. And if you can use tools from each other, then it works. For example, um, Mendel, I think it was the guy that invented, that uh, came up with the chemical uh, table, you know, the elements. Uh, he got it in a dream. He wouldn't get it in a t- I can dream about chemistry, but I'm not going to get the table. The reason why he got the element table is because he studied it a lot during his waking hours to the point that now mysticism could click in and in a dream, give it to him completely ready you know, ready for a printout. So there is a breach, For example, the Tao of Physics, if you ever read it from Capra, is talking about how uh, mystics uh, from Taoism and Hinduism are basically been saying the same thing that modern physicists started. This whole notion actually became more popular from 1920. If you remember, in, with Pauli and um, Jung coming up with the concept of synchronicity, and since then it's been a hundred years. Uh, now we're about to have uh, a breakthrough, I think, in quantum computing it's basic quantum mechanic is very much the marriage of science and mysticism. I don't think you can be a modern physicist without having inside of you some mystical component. You might not call it mysticism. You might call it mindfulness, intuition, spirituality, openness. I meditate, but I don't believe in anything. Okay. It doesn't matter, but you're going inward to look out.
0: Yeah. The connectedness to the source and also so the discipline of studying. I love our friend Laura Day often says the best intuitives are ER doctors, right? Mm-hmm. Because they've done the work, but they need to think quick and pull things Precisely. in. Um, uh, I'd like to invite anybody uh, that has joined us in the fireside chat to actually um let us know in the chat if you have a question we're gonna um have a few minutes to take questions here at the end but uh, no small answer gall it's in your book but 2021 out of darkness light it has been one of the darkest years any of us have ever experienced there's also been light in it and rebirth and rediscovery and amazing things that happened in 2020 uh, I mentioned the five energy still being rough, the five of 2021, right? Some mm-hmm. instability and war. How are you feeling? Are we going to be okay?
1: No, of course we're going to be okay. I mean, uh, this is not the toughest year in human history, obviously. Uh, 2020, definitely, even in the book of 2020, there was a chapter there about how a Saturn-Pluto conjunction that happened in January uh, 12. last year was the reason why a lot of astrologers were very concerned about 2020 because that conjunction is Pluto and Saturn which is the worst kind of conjunction possible it happens around every 40 years or so last time it happened was 82 when we had the AIDS pandemic and we had world hunger and we had the recession so that's why it was obvious that we're going to deal with these kind of things how and what way they're combined that's always up to the one you know it doesn't matter how much an astrologer could be good. Ultimately, creation is far more creative than any astrologer, any script writer. You know? So this year, what we have is more inner world wars. So that's why I wrote about domestic terrorism being much more prevalent. But it's not only in the United States. I think it's going to be in many different places. Uh, you, you're going to see it also a lot with people who are going to demonstrate or be going to be fighting with either vaccines or um, uh, ways of um, being safe in a pandemic because we're not out of the woods yet. So you're going to see that much more, but five is a problematic number, you know, so it's not the easiest and the times that it's a little bit more powerful is in February, November, and December when we're going to have on top of everything Pluto and Saturn um, squaring with um, Uranus. So that's also square also talks about war, you know, when you somebody squares off, they're fighting. So we have two planets, one of them represents more traditional energy and the other one more revolutionary and futuristic one more old and the other one more young, fighting with each other as they uh, did in 2001. And as they did in 2008, you know, years that you can remember are not like the happiest years, but it is a time of major, major um, uh, change. And we are coming in February 11, 12. We're going to have seven uh, heavenly bodies in Aquarius. Uh, hasn't been there since um, uh, February 5th of 1962. If you remember the dawning of the age of Aquarius and having Saturn and Jupiter together in Aquarius, which is a big deal. It's the, you can say, a dawning of a new age. Uh, last time happened 1405, which was right between the period of Europe resurrecting from the Black Plague, which happened in the middle of the 14th century to the Renaissance that started happening approximately in the middle of the 15th century. So maybe we are ahead of after a plague and before a big Renaissance.
0: Right. Um, I love that you say astrology is the color palette, but we're our own painters of our lives. Mm -hmm. I have another friend that says, astrology is the weather report. It just, you know, it's a good, uh, you know, suggestion to take an umbrella if it might yes. rain. Um, you really do a phenomenal job deep diving on all the signs in your book, and um, I recommend everybody to get it because there's so much wisdom in here. Oh, Before we wrap, we have a couple of questions. Um, Cassie, I know you have one.
1: Hi, y'all. Um,
0: hey. I have questions, so. I've never been super deep into astrology, but in the past couple of years, I've been really like tracking and noticing how it's been really powerful and really like present in that way. Do you think that's a, like a, a season of like certain times we go through that we're more connected or is it a function of just connection of being more tuned into our inner world or our vertical?
1: I think that the few things, first of all, we are coming into the age of Aquarius more and more and more as time progresses and you might be yourself in your chart specifically getting closer to some transits or something that is happening in Aquarius don't forget that a lot of planets are now moving into Aquarius so they're going to move into the Aquarius of your chart and Aquarius is the sign that in the tarot card is ruled by the star so it always talks about looking up at the stars but Aquarius is also the sign of astrology so it makes sense that as we get closer and closer to the edge of Aquarius, and maybe you are connecting more to the zeitgeist of Aquarius, that you're suddenly more interested in the stars. Yeah, it totally makes sense.
0: And Debbie, I know you had a question uh, also. Oh, you're on mute. Sorry, were you talking to me? Uh, no, Debbie, I'm sorry. Were uh, you able to? I'm unmuted. Sorry
1: about that. So with all of the um, discoveries in the universe and in the, ga- you know, additional galaxies that we are finding and new stars and planets and, and we're just more and more discovery, does that change um, anything in astrology as far as um, expanding or changing what has generally been a common thought or practice? Um, not those part, those things, no. Because if, they, if you're discovering new galaxies, new planets outside of the solar system, it doesn't affect us because they're already there. And they're so, right. and they're true to everyone around, you know, so it's almost like we're having a conversation in this room, and you're asking me if a, a conversation that is taking in the house next door they're screaming at each other i don't hear them so much because they're very far you're asking if they're affecting us not really because they're not in this room conversing with us but in 1781 right around the french revolution american revolution they discovered uranus the first uh, planet that you needed the telescope you couldn't see with your naked eye so that definitely changed not changed astrology but then astrologer brought it in to the mix and it became the new ruler of Aquarius. And what do we think about a new planet? Whatever is happening to the humanity or to the world around the discovery is said to be associated with that planet. Again, the zygeist, the synchronicity of me, of finding Uranus in time of revolution makes Uranus the ruler of revolutions. Same thing happened in 1846 when we discovered Neptune. suddenly Neptune is coming into the mix, becoming the ruler of Pisces. And what happened around that time? the Spring of Nations uh, people started connecting to uh, mysticism, Don't forget that was the Theosophic society. Yoga is coming from England, you know, the Victorian period, to London. it spreads all over the world. Uh, meditations, all the, okay, Neptune is mysticism. Then in 1930 they discovered Pluto. And Pluto is plutonium explosion power. That's the time of the rise of fascism You know, so we knew that there is something very dark about Pluto if They're going to discover a planet in the um, Solar system it will have to be part of astrology if it is outside of the solar system it won't And, then, uh,
0: and then one last question uh, I want to shout out Donna who is currently going through a wish can change your life with me. We started that back up for the new year. Oh, thank you. Uh, Donna was asking, can you speak about the expansion of Jupiter this year?
1: Um, Jupiter this year is having more uh, positive energy because last year during 2020's pandemic, Jupiter was in Capricorn, which is considered to be its fallen place. So. Uh, Jupiter couldn't help us, couldn't come to our rescue in a sense. Jupiter is usually the good uncle that comes and helps us. Now he's in Aquarius and this whole year, except from middle of May until July, end of July, when Jupiter is gonna be even in a better place. Meaning that that's the time this year is supposed to start getting easier for most of us. Um, And Jupiter passage always represents where we get positive energy and in the tree of life, it's related to mercy, unconditional love. So the idea behind it is that Jupiter makes us feel expansion. First of all, the planet itself is a gas planet, so it is inflating all the time, which is precisely what it does in uh, your chart. And because it's now in Aquarius, it's inflating the energy of uh, altruism, uh, kindness, community, people, groups, science, technology, innovation, uh, which is why we could tell that if Jupiter and Saturn are moving from Capricorn, which is a very traditional one, to Aquarius, which is a very uh, reformed and very revolutionary one that we're going to move towards a more uh, progressive agenda.
0: Gal, thanks so much for your time today. I I was saying to you right before we started that I think it's so fantastic how much um, information and videos you've been sharing online. You can follow Gal at Cosmic Navigator and you can get all of his books, and uh, I just, I'm I'm so excited to keep learning with you. Thank you.
1: Oh, thank you. Continue the good work by the fire, you know, fireplace. Fire has always been associated with entertainment and education, because, because Leo is entertainment, and it's ruled by fire, and Sagittarius, which is another fire source, is a education, so fire has always been associated from the beginning of language when we all meet by the fireplace and share stories that was the form of entertainment you know at night when you're done with the hunting and gathering hey if you made it hey you meet outside uh, I don't know in the cave complex and you light a fire and you start entertaining each other songs dancing gossip all that stuff so fire has been a source of moving information so I hope you continue doing it and uh, thanks for giving us the uh, platform
0: Absolutely. I love bringing everybody's voice into the room on the Idea Fountain. I'd like to encourage everybody to unmute really, really quick. And um, in just a second, we'll all join in and give a big thanks to Goff. But I also would like to say, you know, I'm very thankful, too. I'm a tourist. It seems like it's going to be a good year. <laughs>
1: it's a great
0: book. It's a great book.
1: Thank Okay,
0: on on the count of three, everybody, uh, let's shout out, thank you to God. One, two, three. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. And looking forward to a day where we really can do a fireside chat in person again soon. It's coming. Thanks, everybody. Have a good day, God.
1: Thanks, Julie.
0: Bye. 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 All right, you have been introduced to Gall. This book is incredible. The Astrology of 2021 Out of Darkness Lights. Let me know if you get it what you think about your sign and what's coming in the next year. Like I said, as a Taurus, I feel like I'm in good shape. (laughs) Thanks again uh, for listening to the Idea Fountain. Uh, I can't believe we're in season four. Uh, Every single month, I interview somebody that has changed my life in some way. So whether it's a co-founder of a unicorn tech startup or a multi-platinum Grammy-winning music producer, or a gangster? None. I hope you enjoy these conversations and get something out of it as I do, and uh, I look forward to connecting more very soon. You can follow The Idea Fountain at The Idea Fountain on Instagram, and always you can hit me up at juliepilot.co. Happy New Year!